morning, everybody. Welcome to Genesis. Let's stand and worship.
anybody else out there had a rough week? Nobody? My week started with a sinus infection, ended with a root canal. So it's been a heck of a week for me, but uh, God is still good. No matter what goes on during the week, no matter what goes on in our lives, He's still good. That's exactly what this next song talks about. I'm sure you'll recognize it. Sing it to the top of your lungs because it's true. God is so good. It's running after me with my life. 
to be here together. We thank you, Lord, that you are good. No matter what the circumstances are in our life, no matter what's going on, you're still good. You're faithful. We love you, Lord, and we invite you into this place today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Okay. <laughs> For a lot of reasons I have to sit today, I, well, I'm still having dizzy spells, and I had a, went to a fundraiser on Tuesday selling 50-50 tickets, and I collapsed twice. So, and they said, Harvey, you've got to slow down. Well, they don't understand. You can't slow down when you sell 50-50 tickets. You're running this back and forth. <sighs> so, I'm going to sit there. So, if you, you're going to come forward. That's really strange for me, Pastor, but I'll, I'll do it since he got the chair. I, I can't disobey the, you know, the last time I disobeyed a pastor? I'll, I'll be your runner. Okay. <laughs> okay. How did you see God's love in this past week? Simple question. And, uh, you know, last week, the last time I did this, people weren't raising their hand, and I said, I'm going to stand here until somebody raises their hand. And there we go. Here we go. So, thank you for that song, because I did have a hard week last week. My name is Ed. I've been up here before, and um, among other things, in addition to volunteering at UBD Jesuit, I'm a partner in a business, and I've really been trying to impose discipline on this business and deadlines and timelines, and let me just say, this week was really frustrating. And I was really angry, and I was really mad at people, and I didn't express it, but I, I let it be there. But, as the song says, he was running after me, and I was doing this. 
No. Um, but on Friday at the school, we had an all-school, no, all-class freshman retreat in the school overnight. 130 freshmen. Wow. And um, in addition, there was probably 50 students helping us, uh, upperclassmen helping us, and probably, I don't know, 20 faculty members and staff members. So there was a lot of us in the school. And within about an hour, I finally let him catch me. I mean, he could have caught me anytime he wanted to, but I finally turned and said, okay, I got you. I get why you got me here. It was a wonderful experience. Uh, most of the time, uh, these young men were playing games as part of their homeroom, competing with other homerooms and beginning to learn about bonding. Um, and at the end of the, the night, Friday night, we had a mass um, in our chapel and at the end of the mass, uh, these guys had been in small groups throughout the day and they talked about how they had seen God in their lives in this moment. And each, each uh, small group nominated someone to come up and give reflections on what, they, what they'd experienced. And it was amazing. I've heard seniors give reflections, and I've heard even, even juniors give reflections that were pretty powerful, but for freshmen, this was amazing, and I just knew I was there in that moment for him to see. You were crying too, I saw you. Um, how good he is. He's so good, and he's always there, and he caught me. Thank you. Amen. It's a good thing to be caught by the Lord, right, Harvey? <laughs> Good morning, my name is Heather. Um, my son would be really sad that he missed the one time I'm standing up because whenever he's sitting next to me, he's like, is it your turn? Is it your turn? So you'll all have to vouch for me. Um, I just wanted to say I'm grateful for the way God chases us in therapy and shows up in like all the little tendrils and tentacles of things. So sometimes therapy, you just feel like you're telling a lot of stories. And sometimes therapy is like a moment of, Oh, and I'm grateful for having a therapist who is a believer as well and doesn't kind of use Jesus as a, well, just pray about it kind of thing. But when he shows up, she's like, hmm. <laughs> and would you say that the Holy Spirit had something to do with that, right? Like she's just very thoughtful. So I'm grateful for the way that God shows up in therapy, in conversations, in friends, and in those aha moments. Um, the example that I used, and I will keep this very short because I am spicy-brained, um, that I feel like a hot air balloon sometimes, and I need the sandbags. I need the things that ground me and hold me down, which isn't to say I'm not beautiful and wildly colored and full of hot air, but that I need those things, and I've been trying to figure out what those things are, and it made me realize that I just need hope as a sandbag, and I need joy and faith, and those things that are kind of these esoteric thoughts, but being able to um, connect them to an image for me was very impactful. So I just wanted to say, yay therapy, and God for showing up that way. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? Ah.
Um, so as, lo as a lot of you know, I do rock climbing and I'll travel around the country. I just went, recently went to um, a place in, I can't remember the name on the top of my head. It was somewhere near Ohio, but I wouldn't, I did a rock climbing comp there. And it's always super like stressful because it just, you don't know if you're gonna make it to regionals and what your scores will depend. But whenever I'm like really stressed, I just think about like God and everything. And then I just try to like take a deep breath and then just pray and then everything kind of just works out in the end. Amen. Amen. It's good advice for all of us. Hi, I'm Betsy. Last weekend, Ed and I were in um, Indiana at the Grissom Air Force Base. His son retired from 22 years in the Air Force. So Ed got to see both his kids, both his daughter-in-laws, and I got to watch the younger grandkids practically knock them down. Papa! Um, but the pomp and circumstance of it all, you can pretty much imagine. It was really cool to witness it. And he had to get up and speak. He did it extemporaneously, he did a good job. Uh, he gave some pretty big props to his dad, to his wife and to his kids and things like that. But his whole, this is my word, troop, it's not called a troop, they, I don't even know what it's officially called. They call it their shop. I don't know what they're making back there, but, um, but his whole shop was there He's been their leader their entire career, so it was a pretty intense thing. The love that they poured all over him was just incredible to watch. And I once asked him if it was okay if I was proud of him, because I haven't been around him for very long, but it was really cool to see. I was excited for you. And um, what was the little thing I was gonna say? Uh, oh, he won a bronze star. Right? And I'm going to tell you about his last deployment. I think it was his fourth or fifth deployment. Um, his shop was going. He didn't have to go, but he was like, my guys are going. I'm going. And it was when we were exiting Syria, and they were in charge of keeping the only airfield operable while we got all of our stuff out of Syria, which I can't even imagine that. Um, that's where the Bronze Star came in. Anyway, it was pretty overwhelming. I don't know if it's a God thing, but it's a family thing, and I think that's the same thing. So, there you go. Amen. I just got really nervous. That's all right. <laughs> Good morning. My name's Sarah. Um, I just wanted to share a little bit of my God moment. Um, I made a very important decision about a month ago. Uh, I was frightened and it took me two years to make the decision, um, a total life change. And as soon as I, <laughs> as soon as I got on my knees and I asked for help, he showed up immediately. And, and walking through that initial fear gave me the momentum to keep praying and asking for more guidance and, and whatever his will is for me. 
and the way that it's grown and blossomed and he has shown up and spoke through my friends, um, it's my support system, through music. It just, it, as soon as I asked, he was like, I've always been here, but I was just waiting kind of thing. I was just waiting for you. I've always been right here. And I feel like, I feel like now that I've surrendered my life, my will over to him, I'm 10 pounds lighter. I have so much hope and courage and I can't, I can't take much of any credit for that, except for that initial kneeling and asking, because it, it had been, it had been a while since I asked, you know, um, and I just, I, the way that he has shown up and things are falling into place effortlessly, um, I'm just eternally grateful, and uh, I think that's all I have. Amen. 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 There's some themes going on here. I can, God's showing up in special ways. Hi, guys. Um, so that made me think of just some stuff that happened this week for us. Um, so a lot of you guys who know me know that I'm a full-time grad student, and I, yeah, right. And I um, made the decision to go back to school. I had been out of school for five years when I made the decision to go back. Um, and it was before Hannah and I started dating. And so when we started dating, I was in the process of applying. Um, so I was just in a really different like life space, everything um, when I started even just applying for the program. And I'm in a full-time clinical program, so it's not like a lot of masters where you work full-time and then you just take classes in the evening. Like, I am in class all the time and doing homework all the time. And I was talking with a couple of my advisors and faculty members over the course of the last year and a half that I've been in the program. Um, since then, Hannah and I have gotten married, and there's just been a lot of life changes and I'm just in a very different place than I was and my program was supposed to be three years long because I was coming in needing some prerequisites and I just was talking to my advisors and I was like listen I need to figure out how to make this shorter because this is a long time for me to be doing this in this stage of my life and initially I was pretty much shot down they were like we can't like make your program go any faster. It's like everything is set the way that it is because of how many seats we have and placements for internships and things like that. Um, and then our program director stepped down and we got a different program director. So I decided to go talk to her about it. And she let me push through an official petition um, last month about um, accelerating my program. Basically all it is is moving an internship up. And I found out this week that it got approved. So instead of waiting to graduate until April of 2025, I will now be graduating in a year, which is very exciting. <laughs> Whoa. All right. There are miracles when God moves through academia, huh? Anybody else? Yes. My name is Liz. 
Um, I was thinking of like my past week and uh, nothing really, really big happened for me. It's kind of the same, but I think God is showing, like showing up in my life with love because I'm in a spot where I can maintain, you know, like same thing every week and not like, you know, destruction kind of. And so seeing the progress in myself and the things I've been working on and like inviting God into it, inviting the Holy Spirit into it, it doesn't have to be like a big like, wow, or like I did it, the success, the, you know, the, whatever. It's not like always that final moment. It's being able to recognize your progress as you move forward. Um, and for me, I cannot do that without God. You know, without God, it's, it's not possible. So I feel really grateful as well to just like be like, wow, I'm making progress. And like my last thing I read recently that like the thing that makes us happiest is not like getting the thing or like getting the award or getting the job or whatever. It's about progress and being able to know our own progress. And I think for me, having to give the credit to God and continually reaching out to God, it just kind of for me right now, it kind of gets better and better, but it's like up to me to recognize that because, you know, that's not always um, my first instinct. <laughs> um, so I'm just really grateful that my life is calm and that I'm doing the things that are like leading me to the things that I want in life. So that's it. Amen. Amen. Hello, church. I want to thank God that it's warm enough for short sleeves in November. <laughs> okay. I got long sleeves, but they're rolled up. <laughs> Anybody else? Wow, what a time, what a time. So, Harvey. <clears throat> thank you, Dan. I would have never made it. But uh, for, the, for those of are here for the first time, and I know who you are. <laughs> this is what Genesis is about, sharing our concerns, our journeys with our brothers and sisters. And we do this every week. So I encourage you to come on back. Um, I don't know if I'm going to make this, Dan. Um, our, form, our former pastor, Dave Nichols, passed away yesterday. He was here for a, a many years, and we don't have any details yet. Uh, what, he, they, he lives in Sawyer, Michigan. When he left here, he took a part-time job at Kalamazoo First Baptist Church, and it ended up being full-time. So he drove from Sawyer to Kalamazoo, uh, which is about an hour and a half drive for him, but uh, he was an incredible man. And I do, I do have to say this, my opinion, that when we got together with, with Genesis, it was Dave Nichols that led the way. He encouraged our congregation that it was time. And God bless him for that, right? It's been a fantastic journey with, with we're Genesis now. And we're so happy that all of you are here. And when Dave was a pastor, he would have a pastoral prayer, and then the choir, I'm going to 
I'm not going to try to sing it, but I'll say the words, uh, said these words after his pastoral prayer. Hear our prayer, O Lord. Hear our prayer, O Lord. Incline your ear to us and grace us your peace. God bless you all. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>
Thank you for that. Good morning. My name is Liv. Welcome to Genesis. We're so glad you're with us. I actually feel emotional feeling the spirit here this morning. Anyone else? <laughs> um, so please let us uh, take, take a moment and please let us know you're here. Either you can fill out the digital connection card that's on our website's homepage, or there are some physical green cards in your pew. Or we're fancy now. So we have QR codes. If you notice them on the back of the pew, you can use your camera app on your phone and it will uh, take you to the link that you can fill that out. So let us know you're here. If you're new, give us your contact information so we can stay in touch with you. So we endeavor to change the world through creating spaces of belonging, through helping individuals identify and develop their calling, and through taking action for the good of others. So again, this year, we're going to be collecting new underwear and socks for CDC's Pride for Parents Christmas store this holiday season. So CDC is Central Detroit Christian Community Development Corporation. I feel like it should be CDC too or something. But anyway, they are one of our compassion partners and they're committed to empowering people, creating positive opportunities for their community and loving their neighbor. So the model of their Christmas store is actually really cool, the Pride for Parents. So they take all these donations um, from churches and other organizations and they create literally a store in their um, space, in their gymnasium. And parents are allowed to come in by invitation and purchase costs at very low items. So brand new, you know, um, socks, underwear, toys, uh, that sort of thing for their home and, and purchase gifts for their family, but be able to do so with dignity because these things are literally, I mean, it's like going to five below, but getting much better quality um, items. So, you know, poverty is complex. So there's a lot of factors that are out of the control of these families, but they're able to come to the store in their community and buy these items for their families. So. How can you help is what you're asking. So you can purchase a package or two, either there's a wish list found, there's a bin in the lobby, it's in our e-blast on Facebook. You can buy a package at the store, drop them off by Sunday, November 26th. So again, this can be 10 to $20 per package. If you're not sure what to buy, buy what you would buy yourself or ask your kids what they would um, pick out as their favorite. So. We appreciate that. You can do that direct on Amazon. Um, I think there's a address, uh, the way I did it, the address click through is to Allison Kaniza and she will have that delivered uh, down to Detroit. You can also join the youth group in creating a Thanksgiving meal for Community Cafe on Saturday, November 25th. So if you're making sides for your holiday meal, consider making extra. And if you're not, go to Kroger, buy a pie, donate your time, or you can, uh, donate funds to support the event as well. So today we will be, after Bo's teaching, we will be breaking up into discussion groups. We will have one available for anyone joining us on Zoom as well. So let's continue our worship, but for right now, take a moment, connect with the person around you, next to you, and say hello.
Call him right now. Yep. Let's do it. We're going to cut it a little bit short so you can continue conversations after service, make new friends, strengthen old friendships. God bless y'all. So, so I'm Dan Buttrey. I'm one of the elders here. And... Uh, So I got two things I, I'd like to share. One is that uh, I'd like to speak a little bit more about Dave Nichols, uh, one of our former pastors. He was the pastor at First Baptist Church. And uh, I was not originally a member of First Baptist Church, but I was in a group with Dave of pastors, and I was a missionary. And uh, we were studying, and I heard about some of the struggles at First Baptist, that it was a church that from all looks, you'd say it's a dying church. But Dave said that one of the things was exciting about the church was that they weren't worried about that. Instead, their question was, how can we advance God's kingdom by the decisions we make now? And I thought, I've never known dying churches to have that on their mind. Their whole concern is keep the doors open. And he said, but, you know, this is what we want to do. And I think it was that openness that allowed them to enter into the conversations because Genesis going a different direction was all these young folks saying, we don't feel like we're the body of Christ without some old folks in our congregation. <laughs> and the two groups ended up coming together. Yes, even Harvey, you know. And, uh, you know, just the, this whole thing, how can we advance God's reign now? That's become and still is a part of the uniqueness of Genesis. And Dave was an early vision bearer for that. And I really honor him. Thank you very much, Dave. Our heart's with you as you're going into your heavenly reward and glory. Amen. So as an elder, one of the things that's been going on as uh, the pastors are leading us through this discussion of inclusion and the differences that we have and how we all come together as one body, uh, there's been some small groups that have been processing stuff and coming up with uh, concerns or ways people have felt that they haven't been heard or things have been in some way a little out of kilter for them. Uh, there's been some good stuff as well, but uh, uh, we've, we're hearing those things and want you to know that, uh, that uh, the elders are receiving those from the pastor and we're processing it. Some things we're acting on immediately. Like somebody mentioned, the invisible uh, disability of hearing, uh, a lack of hearing. And, well, we've got two, two things, but three people said that they couldn't hear very well. So we said, we got to get more. Yeah, we got to get more. And then we got to let people know where they are because none of these people knew where they were. So we've already acted on that particular thing. You'll hear more about it or you'll see more about it. Um, but there's other things that are going to take a little more time to process and to digest. And, uh, uh, and so just know that we are already engaging with that. Uh, even yesterday, there was a new uh, report from a small group. And so as these things keep coming in, uh, we're very excited about ways that we can not just have things bubbling underneath or behind our backs, but that we bring it out 
we become stronger as the body of Christ. So pastor, take us on the next step of our journey. This has been an awesome day together. And so um, the pinnacle of our worship is never this. <laughs> you know, uh, the pinnacle of our worship is this, the body. And you've heard those stories today and how good. Uh, one other side note before it, uh, do we have any veterans who are with us today? W would you stand? Please we can recognize, I know Harvey, Ann and Doug back there. Is that John? Thank you. God bless you guys. Um, just so I can highlight one of those. If our, if our country has an issue, it spills over in, into our military. So the country that has battled with um, racism and segregation, our military battled with racism and segregation. And you want to know about how that happened and hear stories about how that was lived out, you should ask Doug, because he was one of the first groups when they ended segregation in order to say, we can't keep doing this, because they had. Say, so it's segregated troops. Through all the wars in Vietnam, Doug was a part of that, and that was a part of his journey. And so we're thankful for Jesus-minded people who, wherever they find themselves, loving others and engaging in those kinds of things. So Doug has a story about that, if you're ever interested in hearing about if you know Doug. Anne has a story about um, sexism or patriarchy. In 1980, Reagan passed and said that women could now go to the war college. And Anne was one of the first, was one of the first women to ever go to the war college as a nurse. Right? And if you want to hear someone just share... About thinking about that, and if you know Anne, she was a nurse and she's also a therapist. So if you want to hear something interesting, talk to a nurse and therapist about war college and their approach. Because her approach was not destruction, but about care. And so we honor you and we're thankful for the Jesus people and, and where you were as you're engaged in that. So that's that. Happy Veterans Day for those of you yesterday. Um, Sarah, thank you for sharing. You guys, you and Liz popped in here for the first time, grabbed the mic and opened your mouths. Wow. But your prayer, God help, is what a great one that you encouraged us all with today. So if it's been a long time since you've prayed that, or maybe you even mustered it this morning or yesterday, may, may we hear that good news that Sarah encouraged with and all of us pray it again now. God help. So whatever you've come in with, we're going to be talking about patriarchy and sexism today. God help. Yes. And, and when I say we, I mean we. So today is the day that we process in groups. And we, we I mean, you can, you can like leave if you want to, but we do our best to kind of keep you captive. <laughs> because we know we learn with each other. We grow because of each other. And so our hope is that we'd have this moment to be able to learn and grow today. We're in the series. So again, our prayer. So join with me, pray. God help. Amen.
So uh, we're going to have, we've also got another training on ADHD happening this afternoon. What a beautiful thing to understand the mind and that. And if you didn't register for that, no worries, you can still come. There's lunch, that's first. But if you didn't register, that may not be enough food. But if you just want to come for the content, it's going to start at 1245. 12.45 in South Hall, just show up. We would love to have you. Uh, when we were asked about this series called All Inclusive, a question came to me and they said, Bo, is your intent to change the way I think? And I had to pause because sometimes as a pastor, you're a gen- you have an agenda and you want to change the way people think. But I also realize I'm not very good at that. And also my ideas of what the change may be may not be for your best. So when asked that question and trying to be as honest as possible, my answer is no, I am not trying to change the way you think. Now, here's my other honest answer. I want all of our thinking to change. But it's the Holy Spirit who changes us. And we want to be people who learn and who grow and who can process and who can engage in in hard conversations, but we're also people who think differently. And we're allowed to think differently, but we want to be people who open our minds and we tackle hard topics to challenge ourselves. So we want to challenge ourselves, and sometimes when we challenge ourselves, that will challenge others, but the goal is not here to challenge others, but the goal is to be shaped in the likeness of Jesus. And so I'm glad you're here. My mood is crazy, and I know I've got like 15 minutes before we're supposed to be in groups. God help. I'm not asking you to change, but I also want you to listen to the Holy Spirit and invite the Spirit to lead you where the Spirit is wanting you to change. Because the Spirit is always transforming us. You are welcome here whether or not you believe anything I say today. You are welcome here to disagree with everything that is spoken. You will not be minimalized. You will not be belittled. You will not be uh, hindered. Uh, The only thing that we will have conflict with is if your words and actions hurt people. Then we will approach and talk. But you can think differently. Our theology cannot get in the way of the kingdom. This is what Julia was sharing with me as we talked about this. Our bond as family is much stronger than our differences in theology. So here we have tons of beliefs. We believe a lot of different things. Theological differences do not break our bonds of community. Even though the overwhelming experiences of churches in the United States is actually the opposite. But I think most of us are embarrassed by that. We want to see something different. And so today we're talking about patriarchy and sexism, and what we share today is not a conversation or a thinking that we do perfectly when it comes to being an all-inclusive community, and we still want to learn. Let me start with a couple of things with this topic, because it talks about patriarchy and that. So we, we have policies as a church, and the policies of our church is that we empower and enable and invite women to lead in all areas, as lead pastor, as elders, as teachers, Uh, We don't hinder them in any way. We believe they have access and opportunity as there's character and competency. That is our policy as a community. Now, not everyone, all the people of Genesis, not everyone has agreed with that policy. They maybe read the scriptures differently, and we've never said, oh, you can't be here, or you can't be participating in that if you disagree with that. 
Uh, but just know that we're going to empower and lead, and women teach quite often here. And there's been women pastors and elders. That's our policy. But the people, who knows what you believe regarding this? I don't. It's not the question I'm asking you, and maybe not even a question you're asking each other. And today, we're not going to corner you and say, what do you believe? But we are going to guide you in a conversation. A conversation about being inclusive so that all people can find a place of belonging, that all people can activate their calling, and that all people can say yes to whatever Jesus is inviting them into in obedience to Jesus and the Holy Spirit and move in it. That's what we kind of say we exist for. And so we don't want to hinder anyone in that. Our endeavor is to change the world through creating spaces of belonging, through helping individuals identify and develop their calling, and through taking action for the good of others. And we want to hinder no one for that. So let me do a couple things of definitions. Just because, so how about patriarchy, for one? Maybe you're familiar with this term. Patriarchy literally means the rule of the father. And it's used to refer to social systems where men control a disproportionately large share of social, economic, political, and religious power. And inheritance usually passes down the male line. Sort of a, a patriarchy in the church um, has been constructed in a, in a couple of different ways, but probably the most common in the United States falls along these lines of being an egalitarian or complementarian. And so the complementarian would say women are equal with men, but we believe there's, a, there's roles that are best suited for women and best suited for men. Primarily the husband is the head of the household and, and and when it comes to pastors, they're male. That, that's probably, that could be, you're, you might consider yourself complementarian and you um, may view that differently and that is totally fine and maybe even more accurate for you. But most or a lot were taught, maybe this is you, that God ordained women to follow the spiritual leadership of their husband in the home and of male pastors in the church. And so maybe that's what you were taught. And so as I say, there's just two different views. One is complementarianism. This stresses that although men and women are equal in personhood, they're created with different roles, different responsibilities, and that plays out differently. Primarily, the complementarianism would say that women cannot be pastors or specifically lead pastors. Some would even go to say they can't teach men. Um, and that the husband is the head of the household. Egalitarianism means this, or kind of emphasizes this, that agrees that men and women are equal in personhood, but holds there are no gender-based limitations on the roles of men and women. Okay, so there's a couple definitions to kind of get into it. Um, as policy, we lean towards the, we, we are egalitarian. There's, there's no gender roles as policy of this community. It doesn't mean that everyone agrees or thinks exactly the same on this. So that's where we stand with that. Today, as we talk about patriarchy and sexism, you're kind of wondering how transgender fits into that. Next week, we're gonna be talking about sexual minorities and what that looks like for us in that conversation. So come back next week, and then the week after that will be on ableism and disabilities. That's the two final, the three, the, the couple final teachings. Now, when we looked at the world that we're, we're in, patriarchy is the historical practice of the world. 
It's just kind of how the world has functioned. And when you read the Bible, and if you look through the Bible, you'll see patriarchy. This idea of um, roles and responsibilities, inheritance being passed down to men. Because patriarchy existed in the Bible because the Bible was written in a patriarchal world. But at the same time, you'll see a surprising number of passages subverting traditional gender roles and emphasizing women as leaders. So when you read through the Bible, you'll see women who preach and who pastor and who lead. When you look at the scriptures and you see what women were the first to do in this arc of subverting these ideas, you'll see things like Hagar, who was first to give God a name. The first to give language and for the name of God, the God who sees. We see about Mary of Nazareth, the first to have the Messiah revealed to her. Elizabeth, who was the first to prophesy while Jesus was in the womb. This was Mary's aunt. Then you have Anna, who was a prophetess who waited in the temple, and she was the first after Jesus was born to prophesy over Jesus. And then you have Mary of Bethany. She was the first to anoint Jesus as king. You have a Samaritan woman who was the first evangelist ever. You have Mary Magdalene, the first gospel evangelist ever, the first, white, the first witness of the resurrection. You have Lydia, the first church planner. You have Juna, the first outstanding among the apostles. You have Phoebe, the first deacon listed by name. You have Priscilla, and she helped to correct the teaching of another male pastor in the church. Quite a few examples within the church to say, Interesting. This story seems to subvert potentially some of the things that we've been taught. If you want to even see, read something even more subversive, read Romans 16. Now, I have it on here, but it would punish you to me to read through these names. And so, you know what? God bless you. I'm not going to. And so if you want to read this, Romans 16, verses 1 to 15, here's what you're going to see. The list of 10 women listed, and seven of them specifically the ministries that they were connected into. Paul specifically mentions more women in ministry than men. How interesting. Not only that, in, in this part of Romans 16, he specifically calls out Phoebe, who's the only deacon by name ever listed in the first century church. And also, Junia, who was identified not simply as an apostle, but as one who was preeminent among the apostles. So what do we do with all that? When you wrestle with the scriptures, Rachel Held Evans asked this question, or the arc of it, she asked this, what is God's dream for humanity? Small question, right? We're going we're gonna to ask you to give an answer to that in the groups. <laughs> what is God's dream for humanity? When we see the creation account, when God created humanity, man and woman, he gave zero hierarchy or dominion to men and women over each other. None. But he said, rule. Rule over the world. But yet the first place where hierarchy comes in is in is Genesis 3.16. After Adam and Eve rebelled against God. And in Genesis 3 16, the curse of sin and these implications. And in this text, in Genesis 3 16, the end of it, when, when God's talking to the woman, says, Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. 
This is the first place when hierarchy exists in relationships. This is part of the curse. Other parts of the curse have to do with land, um, growing thistles and not only fruits and vegetables, but the pain of childbirth. But how interesting in these other curses, as a society, we've made every attempt to remedy these curses. But not in this one, not a patriarchy. For some, they've said, no, this is God-ordained. And we say, well, not really, because it's come about from this curse. Not God's intended will. God's intended dream for creation shows up in Genesis 1 and 2. Together, take care of the world. No one seems to think that we, we should make no attempts in agriculture in order to produce more crops and food than thistles. And no one thinks that we should undergo more pain at birth. Alice Matthews, who's a, a teacher, she wrote a book called Gender Roles and the People of God. She says in Genesis 3.16, we, we see where hierarchy is first in human relationships. Hierarchy was not God's will for the first pair, but it was imposed when they chose to disregard his command and eat the forbidden food. Adam was now subject to his source because Adam was created from the ground. And so he says, your source is now the ground. And Eve was now subject to her source, man. And this is in contrary to God's original intention in creation. So is hierarchy and patriarchy and sexism God's dream for humanity? I turn to Galatians 3 might be a better text for understanding God's dream for humanity. But again, you're going to go in discussion groups and you're going to be able to say, what do you think it is? And you don't have to use a Bible verse to, to back it up. You can just dream. What is God's dream for humanity? And again, it's speculation. But we have, we have a mind. We have a heart. We understand love and unconditional love. What's God's dream for humanity? So I post Galatians 3. So in Christ Jesus, you're all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have closed yourselves to Christ. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave or free. There's neither male or female. For you're a one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You're one together in Christ. Beth Moore says that when we're asking this question about sexism or even patriarchy, above all else, we must search the attitudes and practices of Jesus Christ towards women. He is Lord. The attitudes and practices of Christ Jesus towards women. Carlos Rodriguez, who's an activist um, and a nonprofit, I believe in Puerto Rico, he, he posted, you know, a number of years ago, uh, Jesus's attitudes and practices towards women. I've got a picture of that list for you here. Jesus protected women, empowered women, honored women publicly, released the voice of women. This, this is at the, the woman of the well when he sends her back into the community to tell people. This is about Mary, who was the first witness of Jesus and, and the first eyewitness of the resurrection, where Jesus tells her, go tell the disciples. I'm not dead but alive. Jesus confided in women, was funded by women, learned from women. The Canaanite woman who comes to him, if you know these stories of the scripture, respected women and spoke of women as examples to follow. We search the attitudes and practices of Jesus towards women. I have two simple but incredibly profound texts of Jesus that I want to read those and we're going to break into groups. 
Matthew 22, oh no, the first one, Matthew 18, 6 and 7. Jesus is, uh, is, is talking with his disciples, and he says this, if, and they're asking who's the greatest, which is a common uh, conversation, I think, for men. Uh, if you were here last week, and I had some people who were talking about um, subverting privilege. I had the books in, so, uh, Subversive Witness, and I had a few people who said that they wanted to read it. I was encouraging five uh, white men to be able to, to read this book, not because we're at the pinnacle, but because privilege, we're at the pinnacle of privilege, and we need to figure out how to be a subversive witness in line with Jesus and the call of Christ to leverage our privilege on behalf of others. So I have those if you want to grab one. Matthew 18, they're asking who's the greatest, and Jesus says, if you cause, and he grabs a little child, a little, a little one. If you cause one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it'd be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to stumble. Now, Jesus is using some strong language here, and he is pointing to a little one, to a child, but their question is, who's the greatest? And Jesus is saying, if he calls one of these little ones, and there, those who believe in me. So when I say those who believe in me, we're not just saying, oh, you poor little ones, and so we're speaking about sexism or patriarchy, but if anyone in the creation of humanity that you might deem as little or less than or smaller, the little ones, I think that Jesus is speaking about everything and everyone who lives and says, those who believe in me, don't cause them to stumble. Don't get in their way. Now, this is hyperbole, meaning that Jesus is not encouraging or endorsing suicide when you cause someone to stumble. That's not what Jesus does. That's not honoring to God. That's not pleasing to God. It's hyperbole. What does Jesus want us to do? Not cause people to stumble. Even the little ones, whomever you claim to be less than, smaller or little, don't get in their way. Don't hinder them. Don't hold them back. Don't stop the flow of the love and the call and the pursuit and the gifting and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in the life of another human being. Don't stop it for one minute. Jesus is saying, I take this utterly seriously. Don't hinder them. What do we do with that? We don't hinder people. Don't get in their way. When Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? What are the things we take the most seriously of what Jesus commanded? Well, he said this in Matthew 22. Here's what you should take most seriously. Oh, you're, you're trying to figure out how to follow Jesus? Okay. Here's what you can do. Love God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul. And love your neighbor as yourself. Everything hangs on these. When I read that about the aim of humanity, to be known, to be loved by God, and to love God, and then to express that love for our neighbor, and to love in such a way, with using our heart, our mind, and our soul, we should not hinder anyone from using their, all of their heart, all of their mind, and all of their soul, and their expression of love towards God and or towards neighbor. We would not want to stop or hindering them in any way from engaging in that, of using their mind and their intellect and their strength for loving others. And so that's why we say, oh, we're, we're all inclusive 
it seems that Jesus was driving this way. Can you disagree? Absolutely. That's all I have. So now we want you to discuss. Our aim here as a community is to create places of belonging, places of calling where everyone could be called and invited into that destiny that Jesus is driving you toward and to say yes to that. And for us as a people, not to hinder you, but ultimately to be able to help each other in that journey. God help. Okay. So, um, group leaders, would you stand up? To any extent that it did feel like I was trying to persuade you or change your thinking, would you push that aside and then continue to say, Holy Spirit, would you allow, teach us, direct us with the help of each other? So we have Sam up here and who is in the front, and then we have Sandy who's right here in the red. We have Liv who's right there in the black. We have Ryan right there at the soundboard. We have Pete who's right there in the blue in the in the beard. Uh, we have t- the white beard. We have Taylor right here in the middle. We have Jill back there. And then I'm going to pop up here in the front. So here's what we're inviting you to do. Again, um, this is a safe spot. You can think differently, and no one's going to belittle you or be offended by the way you think. You don't have to know anything, but we believe we learn better from each other. And so we say, stay. Pull around one of the leaders and just hear the questions. They're not meant to be leading or trite. And so um, pop in there. Let's try not to have more than eight people in a group so we can have conversation. Get close to those leaders, and then they're going to dismiss you to take communion together on these tables when we're done. Cool? All right. Let's break. If you're staying, I'm leading the group here. This is Nasha. And I can actually put us in a breakout room. Here. Yeah. 